you would find yourself being like David, interacting with the wrong way, or like, uh, were you were you like correcting me under your breath? I was saying Uzziah. King Uzziah. King Uzziah. Uzzah. Uzzah. That's what I did. I got it mixed up. The first time I thought you said, it's hot in here. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uzzah. Sorry Uzzah. for all the times I said his name wrong. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm here with my husband, Zach, where we believe that God has destined you for a purpose to mm-hmm. win your world. That's right. Uh, we hate you missed the part where we were discussing singing uh, the Purpose Podcast. We're working on that. We're going to work we on We should get a theme an song. An intro theme If song. you have ideas, if you could just post audio clips. Yes. Yeah, of yourself. Yes, yeah, of but, yourself singing them. You just send those to us. Yeah. But hey, remember, uh, as, as you're impacted by our time together, we would love for you to like, uh, subscribe, share. And uh, actually, we're going to do something today before we just jump into the we, we usually have themes and stuff we're rolling through. We just got done with an incredible season of unity uh, with, with some guests and things like that. But uh, we just want to take just a moment uh, in, in this time and just kind of reset and recenter. We do it uh, every couple months, just take some time just to recalibrate on what matters most, which is our walk with God and where He's falling in our priorities because we all get busy, right? I mean, there's been times, I know you listen to this podcast, we're grateful that you're doing that, but... Uh, there's there are times where even when we're taking in good content, um, you know, our our hearts or our priorities or our focus still isn't in a great place. And so there's been a message. So this, listen how random this is. Rach and I went to a co- a conference a few weeks ago called the Art Conference, and there was an unbelievable message preached on a pretty obscure passage in Second uh, Samuel six, and you may know it whenever we discuss it. Uh, but it's about when Uzziah is is uh, struck dead because he reaches out and touches the ark. I would say that's a pretty obscure passage. I don't know how many sermons you've heard on that passage, right? Well, then the next week, uh, our value as a church is, is uh, love God, and the handle is we don't hold back our worship. And the scripture on that was whenever David brings the Ark of the Covenant that represents God's presence, when he brings that back to Israel, which is really connected with that Uzziah passage in 2 Samuel 6. And then, through some random circumstances, God puts it on my dad's heart, our dad's heart, uh, to share a message out of that same passage with the staff. And so each one of those impacted us in a pretty profound way. Um, but I just felt like there was so much... Uh, we had already planned on today taking some time, doing some soul care, asking some reflective questions. But we just want to take it a little bit and just share with you the revelations we received out of that time, uh, but then ask some questions uh, that we've been asking ourselves uh, that have been really challenging. And so anything else you'd say to set that time up, sweetie? So why don't you give like a quick timeline, like who's king, what's going down, and why are they moving the ark? Okay, so here's here's what's wild about this, and I'm, I'm going to catch you up. And so... They're, they're, the Ark of the Covenant, which, again, you go all the way back to Moses, the Ark of the Covenant, that's, that, that's going to be placed in the Holy of Holies that represents God's presence. So this is, this is a massive deal. Like if, if you've read in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, is, it's a big deal. Well, in this time right now, David is king. So there was a time where Israel had lost a war to the Philistines, and the Philistines had taken the Ark of the Covenant. 
Now, if you are familiar with the story of Samson, right, in Judges, uh, whenever Samson fought the, which this is funny, whenever you read the whole Bible, uh, you, you start to get like these, just some, some comical things either way. So Samson, whenever he, he also fought the Philistines, right? And whenever he, uh, whenever he beat them, or actually whenever, you know, he pushes down that, uh, the, the pillars, right? That was right the, at the end of his life. It's right. epic. That was the, that was the, um, the temple of Dagon. So the Philistines have this God named Dagon. Well, whenever the Philistines beat the Israels in a war, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they actually put it in the they actually put it in the temple of Dagon after that's been rebuilt, all that kind of stuff, right? And so they put it in in the temple of Dagon. Well, they come in the next day and Dagon has fallen on his face. The statue of the Dagon statue, that they yeah, have. has fallen on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. Well, they set it back up. The next day they come in, it's fallen again, and its hands and its head have fallen. Like whenever it fell, it crashed down. That stuff has fallen off. So the long story short, which again, you could read this in First and Second Samuel, the Philistines are freaking out. Well, it's not just that. They get struck with tumors. After that, that's right. They take it out. They get struck with tumors, they're rats. Like, oh, God, it's amazing. It's, uh, yeah, it, it gets to the point where they're like, we can't, we can't, we can't do this. Like, we can't, we can't do it. And they're actually so concerned they don't. They don't even want to take it themselves anywhere. They build a cart and they take two. Uh, they take two oxen and they they say, you know what? We're gonna just send them off. And if they take this cart to Israel, that we'll know like this that God has caused things to happen. If not, then it's just crazy coincidence. It was cows, right? That I just calved. And they they mm-hmm. yeah. So it was really crazy. We won't anyway. get get all that today. But they they send they send them off. They, they go straight to Israel. Crazy deal. They they go they it goes straight to Israel. They know that this is from God. And so, but there there's some things in there that we'll pull out. Um, and, and again, we we can't give you all the context, but we really just want to take some time. The thing that I want us to really see at the beginning there is that the Ark of the Covenant that represents God's presence. And so that was very clear to the Israelites. And so as there's some things that really impact us in this story, we have to make sure that we reflect, because I, I think that we can undervalue God's presence. If you're a believer and maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, or maybe you grew up in a Christian household, uh, God's presence, mm-hmm. um, worshiping Him, praying to Him, can just feel like just common, right? Uh, the The whole... Uh, which again, I don't think this is a sin, but you know, the, the, a couple of years ago there was the whole "Jesus is my homeboy" thing, you know, on the shirts and everything else. People didn't like that, and God does. God does love us and 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 wants to be with us. But there's a reverence to God that I feel like we have lost, and so they send they send the Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites. Send it back, and they are they're they're gonna they're gonna take the Ark of the Covenant. They're gonna bring it back. And again, there's there, you, if you read First and Second Samuel, you can get all the the detail, but to bring it back, the the ch- the issue is is that David goes to move the Ark of the Covenant like the Philistines moved it. So whenever you go back and ever when in the Old Testament, whenever God is setting up how He wants His presence to be moved, there are people of God, the Levites, the priests, who are supposed to carry that Ark of the Covenant. Now it was an eight mile. It was an eight-mile journey from where they got the cart to back to Jerusalem, where it belonged, and so eight miles. So he just decides he's going to put it on the cart, and you know it probably was a nice cart. 
David, David had all the resources, probably nice, whatever. Um, but that's not where it was supposed to be, or that's not how it was supposed to be to be carried. And actually, before I get into that, whenever whenever the Philistine, Philistines sent it away, before David found it and all that kind of stuff, before they took it to Jerusalem, it was at uh, it was at this guy's house for twenty years. And I'm gonna botch his name. Um, let's see what we'll see what name you you decide. Do you have it right there in your notes? What's it? So I yeah, cause I I, I, have I to scroll down to find yeah, it. it's like um, wow, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not even getting close. Abin- Abinadab. Yeah, gosh, I know I just can't <laughs> read well. Abinadab, right? I know the name. Either way, Abinadab said Abinadab's house for 20 years, and then they're supposed to bring it back to Jerusalem, right? And so then- here's the timeline of the Ark of the Covenant. It there is a battle. Philistines win. They steal the Ark of the Covenant, mm-hmm. and this in, the incredible power of God is displayed. Philistines are struck with tumors, all kinds of bad stuff. They the fear of the Lord is brought down upon the Philistines, and so they don't. They send the Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites, and it goes to Abinadab's house. Abinadab's house, where it was for twenty years. And so David says, "Hey, we need to bring the Ark of the Covenant back up." to the temple and we're going to worship back into where it's supposed to be. We're going to set things right. So the intention was great. Mm -hmm. And now we are in this situation where he goes to move it, but he chooses not to follow the prescription given in the law. Yeah. And, and going back, even when we talked about how, Hey, you know, they didn't, they, they weren't. And sometimes we don't honor God's presence it's important to know, and I didn't. I never put this together until Dad was talking about it. Abinadab's son, he had a couple, but one of Abinadab's son is Uzzah or Uzziah. Is mm-hmm. that how you say it? And Uzziah, that's actually part of why people get so confused in Second Samuel chapter uh, or in Second Samuel because whenever they do move it, which again, there's two, there's two issues here. One, David decides to move God's presence. He decides to interact with God's presence. Have God move in his life in a way that is not how God's told it to be done. So God says that the Levites, the men of God, are supposed to carry it, but he puts it on an ark. That's how the Philistines move on the cart. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yes, on the cart. So he decides to move it how the enemy moved it. But again, there that but that leads to whenever they're going, the cart starts to shift a little bit, and Uzziah sticks his hand out to steady it and Actually, Uzziah, because weren't, they weren't supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. It was holy. It was set apart. This is before they had the sacrifice of Jesus. So they had sin. They go to touch it, and Uzziah is struck dead. And it was a normal reaction. It wasn't, he wasn't trying to, Uzzah wasn't trying to like steal or, or do anything bad or wrong. The Ark was falling. <laughs> Right. The cart had, was toppling. There were, I mean, it's not like it was a smooth road when we think about moving something. Right. Um, and he just out of a reaction, his quick is just reflex was to stop it from falling. Right. To steady it. Yeah. And it cost him his life. Right. And something that Dad pointed out yesterday, I thought was was awesome. Was well, it was a revelation. Is that since Uzziah was Abinadab's son where the ark was for 20 years, that, that that means that Uzziah was around the ark for 20 years. With him being around the ark, again, this is a great thought, had he gotten comfortable around it? Because this is supposed to be special. 
And our our walk with God, our calling by God, our gifts from God, all those things are meant to be special. But have we just gotten used to it like Uzziah? Have we just, is, is it just something normal? And then again, like David, have we chosen to interact or to interface with God's presence just like it's something normal? And so again, like we, we heard this passage just randomly three times in the matter of two and a half weeks, and it's been really impactful for me just to pull back and ask some questions around, I mean, because I, I would say that I, we are reverent, we're reverent toward the Lord, but a way that dad framed it was really challenging. He asked, are we, do we desire efficiency or do we desire empowerment? So do we desire to move God's presence quickly, uh, like efficiently? Do we desire to get the maybe the things that God told us to do done efficiently? Are we more worried about being empowered by God's presence, empowered by God's power? Well, in that same season, you know, um, in that same time is when we had, um, we spent some time with Jimmy Rollins, and he makes that point, if you go back and listen to a couple podcasts ago, he talks about how we'll fake, we'll fake it until we make it. And so I just wonder, like, he talks about the strength that some of the church is missing. And if our efficiency, I would say, is a mask for, and it is a, a compensating for, while just in case God doesn't move, I want to make sure we're really efficient and we make it look like he could or he did. And so just this um, challenge of, of God's word to be, authentic in honoring God, worshiping God, and being aware that he's going to do what he wants to do. And a just a humble heart, My one of the things that impacted me most is David's frustration with God for being who he said he was and doing what he said he was going to do. And I would say our generation gets very frustrated when we read the word. And I was listening to something that talked about this, um, it was on a TV show and she was saying, you know, my kid has a Berenstein Bears Old Testament and our Bible. And so they would read the stories of the Old Testament. And she says, she's trying to find a way to explain to them that that's not the God that she wants them to know. She only wants them to know a God that is loving and kind and all these things. And yes, God is loving and yes, God is kind, but he's also holy. And we have a problem of Receive like we want to recast who God is. That's not the God of the Bible. Then if you want to eradicate his holiness and his justice, which is a result of his holiness, like he can be holy, just and holy love, holy, kind and holy, hold you accountable. And David's frustration with God being who God said he was going to be because his holiness, there is a cost. And, um, for me, it was just really challenging to ask the question, am I worship? There's two questions for me. Am I worshiping the God of the Bible or am I worshiping the God of my own creation? How, how, hum- and then the other thing is, hey, am I willing to submit and surrender that I serve a God who is just? He is just, and it's a good thing that he is. And I might be frustrated by that sometimes, and that's okay because God's a big God and he can handle that. But what is, what's my response to God's justice and his sovereignty in response to my own life and the things that I experience and in the lives of those around me? Yeah, that's good. And I think that, that it's a great point, and it's 
kind of doesn't necessarily take us away from this, but as our purpose is to win our world and to share our faith, one of the one of the greatest pushbacks I hear right now as I share my faith is all this terrible stuff has happened. There's a guy I was witnessing to, and he was molested by his stepdad, and he was like, hey, I don't understand how like a God could let this happen, right? And uh, and you say, because a, a lot of times people hear that God is all loving, right? But you just said he was just. And so I think these are hard. Again, we've referenced on here, Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, he says that God can either be all powerful or all loving, but he can't be both because an all loving God, who is also all powerful, wouldn't let these things happen. Well, God loves us too much to force us to love him, to force us to do all the quote unquote right things. And well, so I would also say just to throw in there that what is he ordaining? What is he ordained and how is he asked for things to be done? And the free will that you begin it, we see a very clear picture here of what like how God has asked for things to operate when you look at the the kingdom of Israel and and how he's instructed humanity to treat each other. When you read the law, it is not to be um, binding you and put you into bondage. It is literally so that humanity can live in freedom. And when we consider God, because we are finite, it is very difficult for us to hold two tensions in our in our mind. We say, well, we can't hold two ten- like God can't be and hold two things at the same time. But you can feel two feelings at the same time. I can be very mad at you and love you deeply and want to be with you and be hurt by you. I can hold all of those feelings at the same time as a as a as a human. And when we consider the God of the universe and we push back against who he is, it's I I would say so much of our view of him, again, am I worshiping the God of the Bible or God that I could totally understand that his that he couldn't be com- more complex than I am. Yeah. And that's and then go, going back to that he is all love because a lot of us really resonate with God's love and he cares for us, but the part that you brought up that I think a lot of people either maybe even overlook or don't fully understand is that God is all just. And since God is all just, he cannot overlook wrongs that have not been paid for. And so that's why evangelism is so important because we've all, if you're a believer, you've done wrongs, but since you're a believer, Jesus, it talks about him being our propitiation or our payment for our sin. So God's justice is satisfied because Jesus paid that debt. He paid that. You know, the, again, Romans 6.23, the wages in his death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But I, I just I just bring that up to say, just as much as God is love, God is also, like you said, just. And that's why it's so important that we don't overlook whenever we see people that we love, that maybe they don't know Jesus yet, that, gosh, we want, we want them to know this love of God and the abundant life that Jesus died to give them, John 10, 10. But we also know that one day that they will be really negatively impacted by God's justice if they're not told about the payment that was paid for their sins. And we can trust God's love and His justice because He's holy. You can trust his, and sometimes we're like, well, do you really love me? If you really love me, you wouldn't do this. But that's, we're not, humanity is not holy. We're sinful and we're broken. God's holy. Never once has he sinned. And he doesn't have like this selfish, like you, he's not selfish. He's not, um, he doesn't need to 
do anything. He exists in and of himself. He doesn't need anything from us. He's satisfied in who he is. And we can trust that when he has set something up, it's holy. It's pure. Holiness is not just really good. It is, it's a whole other word used to describe the way God is because we are so, we can't be that. Perfect doesn't even totally encapsulate who the holiness of God. And we can trust him. So again, I for me to wrestle with as what well, read the word and I'm challenged is, am I worshiping the God of the Bible or have I allowed really this progressive idea and the fear of people, oh, we don't want to turn anybody off because, you know, there's, I, I want to worship the God of the Bible because that's the God that carries freedom. That's the God that sent Jesus. You know, that's where the Holy Spirit is. And I want to, I just, for me, it was just, again, hey, you know, that how's your soul question right now, you know, just recalibrating and going back to, hey, how am I responding to God being who he said he was? He didn't lie in his word. And he is loving. And you can see he's made a way for people to be with him, Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, we can see his grace and his mercy, but also that he is not passive. He's present and he's active and he is willing to follow through on everything. And that's all, that means good news for us. You know, those promises in God's word, they're for us now. When he, when he talks about Jesus really being the full payment, he followed through on it all the way. So it's just for me, just reminding myself um, that God is who he said he is, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally, that's, that's so good. Going back to uh, where we started in First and Second Samuel, again, the two warnings we want to give you out of this passage that we're just making sure we're challenging ourselves with, and I want to give you some questions for you to just really honestly, hopefully as I give them to you, maybe even pause the podcast, and ask yourself these questions, journal about them potentially. Uh, but, you know, we want to remind ourselves that, number one, David did not um, interact with God's presence like he, like God had asked. You know, he interacted with God's presence like the world did, like the Philistines did. Um, and so as you are interacting with God's presence, is that is that just kind of like, as the world says, as I get to it, like, this, these are just kind of good teachings, like, but not like the absolute truth. This is what I build my life on. But then also, really in the same vein, Uzziah, who had potentially, this is a little bit of spiritual speculation, but he had gotten used to, he had gotten used to God's presence. He just gotten used to it being there. It had been in his house for 20 years. So maybe if you are, if you've been following Jesus for a while and you've been, you've been doing that, uh, have you just gotten used to it? Have you gotten used to the fact that God loves you and that God's called you and he's given you a purpose? And so let, let me start with this question. Have you gotten comfortable with the supernatural? Like, and again, the supernatural is the fact that uh, you've been saved, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe 1 Corinthians 6.20, you know, you've been bought with a price, you know, you are not your own. Have you gotten comfortable with the supernatural? Um, or the lack thereof. Yeah, like you know, it's, or it, it is. It's, that's a great. That's a great addition to the question. But have you just gotten comfortable with the fact that God loves you and has a plan for your life? And maybe you want to take a second and just pause and ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. 
But an, another question, this one may take a little bit of uh, expounding on our end, but have you lost your awe for God or, may, or, or your fear of the Lord? And have you lost, or let me ask you a little bit differently, have you ever had an awe or a fear of the Lord? You know, um, a lot of this is going to depend on like how you were raised, like how you met Jesus and, and what people have taught you. But have, do you ever have just a, a reverence that uh, you, you, you see in the Bible, like people weren't even really, people couldn't even, they couldn't even interact with God. Like he's not, he's not your buddy, you know, he is, he is God. Um, and there's so many scripture about uh, the fear of the Lord. And this is not like a fear of the Lord, like, you know, he's a, he's a big bully on an anthill who just, who's going to torture you or anything like that. But it, it talks about in, in, uh, in Proverbs, starts it out, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, but really the verse that I think applies here, um, just because it's, it's an intense verse, but I think it brings in the, um, the impact we're wanting to have here when we ask, hey, have you lost your fear or your awe of the Lord. Whenever Jesus is doing his ministry, he tells them, don't, don't fear somebody who can kill your body, and after that, they can't do anything to you, but fear the one who could throw your soul, like your eternity, into hell. And so, and again, like in, in Matthew 25, there will be a separation between believers and unbelievers, uh, but have we lost that, 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 that awe Right, like whenever we talk about the Great Commission, what God's asked us to do, does that just does that just kind of fall as a as maybe like a recommendation, or is it a command? You know, because without that, without that awe, without that reverence, without that fear of the Lord, I mean, you know, are we really viewing Him as God? Well, and I would say when we talk about winning our world, that a lack of the fear of the Lord will allow for you to pick up the results of what's happening. So you will go, we can go and evangelize and because we don't give God his rightful place and the honor and the and the reverence that he is due, we will go and carry and put on a little bit of our own self-righteousness. And when we share the gospel, be frustrated or feel like we failed when we can't save anyone. And it's just helpful for us to position ourselves. I think that's why sometimes it's really hard to share our faith because we forget that God is God and we are not. And so you can do, there are lots of people who do things for God that God never even asked for them to do. We can look throughout history and see people who have slapped God's name on all kinds of things that are contrary to scripture. So I, I, for us, as we really think about our purpose of evangelism and wanting people to know the real, the truth is that God is the only one who draws man unto himself. So we're obedient to when the Holy Spirit asks us to do something, and we can trust that when that God asks you to step into something, when he asks you to speak, when he asks you to pray, when he asks you to lay hands on somebody, that the reverence and the fear of the Lord would be enough to stir us into obedience. And then we don't pick up and carry the result because it's not ours. We're simply, we're servants. And our I think our perspective gets skewed when we lack that fear of God that you're talking about. 
And we really, and it talks about wisdom, like we begin to with a lack of, uh, honestly, a lack of fear puts us in a position to begin to behave like and believe like the world, even in terms of God, just like right. David did. We'll choose to interact with God how, how we feel and what we think would be mm-hmm. right. Well, we lack wisdom yeah. because we don't honor God and who he is. Yeah. And again, I think that leads to just another thought for you is, are you saturating yourself in God's word? God, that, that's, how, that's how we would be able to delineate between the world and the and and what God has to say, His Word, you know, Second Timothy three sixteen, you know, says that all scriptures God breathed, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And God, God inspired people to write His His Word. He's protected it uh, so that we can know what He has for us. And it is like whenever you read it, it is drastically different than how the world tells us to live. But again, you just, what what do you put more of in? And again, you you would find yourself being like David, interacting with the wrong way, or like, uh, were, you, were you like correcting me under your breath? Uzzah. I was saying Uzziah. King Uzziah. King Uzziah. Uzzah. Uzzah. That's what I did. I got it mixed up. The first time I thought you said, it's hot in here. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uzzah. Sorry Uzzah. for all the times I said his name wrong. Uzzah, when he just got comfortable with it, but it, that's going to be much harder whenever you're letting God frame your outlook on him and the world through his word. Well, and when you read the word, the Bible is not about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Bible is about God. And I think sometimes we approach his word and we're like, okay, well, what do you have for me? And what are you going to tell me about my life today? I'm like, um, this is for you to learn about who God is. And he does say things about you. But you are able to recognize your identity and operate in the fullness of what God has because you've learned about him and how he speaks and um, how he's operated throughout history. And I would say our approach to God's word lacks the correct perspective because, well, we're selfish. And so maybe you say, hey, well, I'm in the world all the time. I just feel like I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, maybe if you shifted your perspective and simply said, God, I want to learn about you today. I want to serve you today. I want to worship you today. Not gimme, gimme, gimme. You know, we're, you're not, I mean, like we're not spiritual babies anymore. And there is a maturing that comes as you, I mean, you can see this if you have older children, your relationship with your child changes because no longer are you just the person who feeds them, but they learn the things that you like and you're able to dialogue differently as they mature. So as you mature in your walk with the Lord, approaching the word of God with the reality that it is not written, it is written for Jews by Jews for Jews. And so recognizing, hey, I'm, this is about God, and I'm going to take some time to take a step back and learn and study, not so that I can have something and so that I can prove a point or I can feel um, I'm looking for a gray area so I can get away with whatever I want to get away with, but I'm going to go into it ready to meet with the God of the universe and how gracious and kind and merciful was he to leave us this incredible love letter to show us who he is. He wants us to know him. He's not trying to keep himself a secret. And um, I just, I hope that 
uh, just for me, it's just been a correction in my own walk with the Lord and in, in my own walk with God that when I approach the word, it is not about me. It does fill me. It does, it does feed this, my spirit and all of those things, but it's about God. Everything is about God. And our, just that, again, that lack of reverence and our, our focus on ourself, man, it just steals from us yeah. so much of what the Lord wants to do in and through us. Yeah. And I think it puts so much more of a reality on the here and now than it does on like eternity, mm-hmm. you know, that our work or our friends or our social media or our bank account, that all that could be more important than prayer more important than the word, more important than the purpose he's given us. And again, I, I really do. And that, that's hard. It's just, that's just hard because you feel like you can see, feel, touch, all those things. But, I mean, if you really do believe what God's word says, eternity and his purpose is way more real. And not, not only way more real, way more lasting. You're talking about 80 years in the comparison of eternity. It's just, it's just tiny. And so that, that's, another, that's another thing I wanted people to process and think about. Or do you pray with desperation and dependence? You know, like that that comes to like how how you're praying. Are you fasting? Like whenever you pray, is there is there like sincere like desperation and desire for something to happen, or are you just kind of moving through motions a little bit? Just and and a way I would look at that. Do you is it the same thing every day? You know, is it just the same kind of routine? And uh, or, or do you do it? Because I'll have to check myself sometimes. Are you doing it to check a box off and to fe- to make yourself, like you were saying, feel a certain way? Are you doing it because you're putting blocking everything else out and you're talking to God? You know, you're reading God's word. You're you're wanting God to talk. To you want Him to be led by. You want to be led by His Spirit. You know, it talks about in John 17 that He gave us. Uh, it talks about in First Corinthians one and two that that like He is. It, that is God's spirit. Like he, he could tell us the deep things of God, but do we make time for that? Do we make space for that? Well, and then praying with that kind of dependence, like prayer is two-way. It's not just you offering, which we do get to offer our requests, but there's also, are you listening with that same kind of dedication, that same kind of desperation? Are you listening for what God has to say? And then are you obeying when you pray like that, God is, he's faithful and he'll give you exactly what you need only in the moment when you need it, not before and not after. And then when he gives it to you, what I think that, again, that posture change, it just changes how we, how we act. It changes our, our response when he speaks. Cause if we're really listening that intently and we're willing to wait, it says wait on the Lord. If we're willing to wait on him, the second he gives that instruction or that piece of wisdom, or that next step that you've been waiting for as you're in relationship with Him, you treat it quite a bit differently than if you're just throwing um, your prayers up at the Lord, just hoping something sticks and He answers one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally... Hey, one one other thing I want you guys to think about, and then I'm going to read you a quote, but something else is, you know, you go back into this story, and the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, wasn't supposed to be carried on an ark by... Uh, on the cart. On the, on the cart. On I'm, the cart. I, I can't get Say together Say that today. five times fast. So it was supposed to be carried on the cart. Um, it was supposed to be carried by the men of God. And even, uh, I would say here, like today, the presence of God is not supposed to be carried by like a church building 
or by it's supposed to be like we're called a royal priesthood, men and women of God. We're called His ambassadors, as if He was making His plea to the world through us. And so, with that being the case, we carry Christians carry the presence of God to people, uh, prayerfully, not just people of God as in other believers, but people who don't know God yet. Like we get the privilege of carrying God's presence to them. And so that'd be another question. Like whenever you live your life, whenever you're having conversations, is that part of it? Like is that part of what your process, is that part of what you're thinking about, is that part of your priorities is like that I am carrying the presence of God. Like this, this, the only Bible this person may ever read, the only Jesus they ever ever see, the only church they ever experience is this conversation. You know, you and I were just at a a, 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 um, a lunch with 300, you know, business people um, and we're, we, I won't say any details about who the guy is, but we we're talking to this guy and he asked about the vision of our church. So we told him, he was like, oh, and he asked like, how in the world are you supposed to scale that? And I started out by saying, well, Hey, we believe. And I was, just, I wanted to make, I only had like five minutes and I wanted to make like, I want to make it so clear what I believed, you know? So he already knew I was a Christian, but I said, Hey, we believe that if somebody dies without Jesus, they're going to go to hell. And that's just not okay with us because they don't have to. And so I don't know this guy, but I just wanted to make clear, like, I, I just want, and maybe that wasn't the best way to do it, but I just wanted to carry God's presence into the conversation. I wanted somehow, some way for there just be something in this guy's life to the rest of the day for him to be like, oh my gosh, I wonder if that guy's right, you know? And then that way, maybe when I reach back out to him and I will, um, it, it, it'll just shape our relationship. And if it means he doesn't want to hang out with me or thinks I'm weird, um, I don't know. Again, that's not my desire, but I think it may make us a little bit weird when we say, hey, I have a priority of bringing God's presence into other people's lives. Um, but hey, one other, I just want to read this quote, and um, and it's just, it, uh, this quote is, it's by a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. And I, I want to give, first of all, Leonard Ravenhill wrote a book, if you're looking for a book, called Why Revival Tarries, and it's unbelievable. And also, there's a guy that Rachel and I like named John Bevere, right? John Bevere, and I'm reading his book right now on the awe of God. So if this whole concept of fear of the Lord and all that kind of stuff, if that's interesting to you, the book is unbelievable. If you'll give me just a second, I will give you the, ti- the title of said book is, is The Awe of God. I was close. The Awe of God. And it, it really is. It's super practical. It's really good. Um, but let me give you this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. Uh, we do not experience revival because we are content to live without it. So we don't experience revival because we're content to live without it. I don't know about you, but that's, that's bothersome. You know, we spend a lot of time as believers throwing rocks at other people about why we're not seeing the movement um, of God's kingdom coming like we want to. But hopefully today was a lot of introspection. I didn't say a lot of words right today, so hopefully that doesn't trip some people up. You I, said that word right. I said that word. I said all those words right, uh, but not a lot words. of right words before that. So, hey, guys, we love you, and I just pray that you're not— that I pray that you won't be content— to live without revival. I pray that you won't be content without seeing what Jesus promised you uh, in his word. And so we love you. We know you have a purpose given by God to win your world. And it's our honor to be a part of equipping you to do that. We love you. Win your world this week. 